0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Many people believe that Jesus Christ was unjustly killed by the Jewish leaders and Roman authorities. Although this is certainly true, what many people do not understand is that Jesus willingly gave his life for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. They did not take his life, Jesus willingly gave his life and took up his life again in his resurrection. Jesus declared, No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Let's open our Bible to John chapter 7 and look at the incredible love and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday morning here in Texas, and hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus and uh, just walking with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, and growing in your relationship with Jesus. I know we say it over and over and over and over. It cannot be said too many times. It, It cannot be said. It needs to get ingrained in us that the meaning of life is consistent and growing relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's the very meaning of life, and all of that comes only in and through Jesus Christ. And so before we become Christians, before we're saved, we need to receive Jesus Christ. We need to trust in Jesus Christ. We need to rely on Jesus Christ. We need to be clinging to Jesus Christ as our only hope for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. And when we do that, when we, when we come to Christ as our Lord and Savior, John 1.12 says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he became... He gave the right to become children of God. So we are we, God the Father becomes our heavenly father when we become a Christian. Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior and Master and King. We become part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. We become one with Jesus in spirit, with the Holy Spirit, with God the Holy Spirit, who is our guide, our comforter, our counselor. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that comes to live in us. It's an incredible mystery, but we have a triune God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all individual beings. They're all God. Um, and, And we have the just the. There's not even words for the overwhelming privilege of growing. To know them and growing in relationship with them. And so thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's keep given our lives to Jesus more and more and more and more. After we become Christians, we spend our lives growing to increasingly know him better in every way and growing to submit our lives to him more and more in every way, growing to obey him more and more in every way, and and growing to repent. As we mature as Christians, we, we, we begin to see more and more of ourselves And the aspect of our lives and our thinking and our speaking and our actions that are out of place, that are sinful. And and we we spend our life growing to repent more and more and more. And it's not a religious thing. We don't do it because we have to do it. We do it because we get to do it. This has nothing to do with our salvation and our sins being forgiven or going to heaven. That's, That's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. It's the gift of God, not of yourself, not by works, so that no one can boast. So uh, salvation is through Christ alone and trusting in what he's done alone. But sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives, that is something that we we have to work out with all of our all of our heart and, you know, all of our might. So, well, it's a special day today in our family. And, uh, you know, it's a special weekend, I should say. It's uh, my uh, my beautiful daughter, Kristen, is getting married on Sunday. And so uh, I, I couldn't be I couldn't be more blessed. I couldn't be more proud. I'm a beaming father. I'm so proud of her. and. Um, and her soon-to-be husband Nathan is a godly man, and I'm, I'm thankful for him. And uh, it's just exciting just to see what the Lord is, is going to do in their lives, what the Lord has for them. So there's this has been a, a long time in coming, and so we are looking forward to, uh, to the wedding. Um, we have rehearsal dinners to go to, and and just all that goes into that. So uh, I'm just proud of you guys. Uh, Nathan and Kristen, I am, uh, I'm excited for you. Uh, as I said, I'm excited to see what, what the Lord Jesus is going to do in your life and how he's going to use you and the plans that he, that he has for you and the advancement of his kingdom. And, uh, and so it's, it's just, uh, it's an exciting weekend. So thank you, Lord Jesus. And, uh, congratulations y'all to, uh, today we're gonna we're gonna be studying John seven. I don't know how far we'll get i was I prepared you know quote unquote to go from like verses twenty five to forty four because that's really the the conversation but that's twenty verses so it'll probably de- probably be too much so I don't know how far I'll get but we're gonna go ahead and uh, pray. And then we'll read it and then we will get rolling. So, Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King Jesus. We thank you for becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a Perfect death for us. And Jesus, we worship you. Lord, we thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open the scriptures. And Father, I do want to lift up my my daughter Kristen and soon-to-be son-in-law Nathan. And I ask you to bless them, Father. I pray a special blessing on them as as uh as they get married this weekend, Lord. I, uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence would be there. Father, we pray that everyone that comes to this wedding would experience your presence in a deep and meaningful and profound way. And Father, I pray that, that all those that come to this wedding that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would come to know Jesus that they'd be convicted of their sin and that they'd be driven to the cross of Christ and that they would receive the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul and that father that you would become their heavenly father. Father, we commit this wedding into your hands. We ask you to bless all those who are traveling. We ask you to bless all the final arrangements, Lord. Father, we just, I just thank you for Kristen, my daughter. I thank you for Nathan. Father, we commit this wedding into your hands in every way. We pray that you would be glorified in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Matthew 7, verse 25. I'm sorry, I am, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said Matthew. We've only done like 38 teachings in John. And so it's, uh, it's John seven, actually, forgive me, verses uh, 25. And I don't know, I may only read 10 verses um, and we will, uh, we'll go from there. So it, 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 we left off in verse 24, where Jesus is, has entered the temple courts it's the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and he's boldly preaching. He's boldly teaching the Word of God. And the people there are listening to him teach, and many of them know that the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, are, are trying to kill him. And so in verse 25, it says, At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him, They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so that's 10 verses. We will, uh, that'll probably be what we'll do for today. So John 7, verse 25. Again, Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. The, uh, The Jewish leaders have been trying to arrest him and kill him. They haven't been able to do so. Now he's up at the feast. Scholars say there could be, you know, 200,000 people at, the, at, the, at these major feasts. Three major feasts in Jerusalem every year. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is this feast. It lasts around a week. You know, oftentimes they do one more day, an eighth day. But it's, it's around a one-week feast. And again, people would journey up and make the journey up to this feast. So again, there could be, again, there are different numbers that scholars say, but up up to 250,000 people. Some will say more, but that's a lot of people in Jerusalem. And so Jesus is in the temple courts, right there by the temple, and he is teaching these things boldly. And so the crowd, you know, somewhat intuitively says, at this point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. So, you know, Jesus is, is speaking. He's speaking with power. He's speaking with clarity. Um, he is, he's previously rebuked them for 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 not making a correct judgment verse 24 you remember said stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment and we talked about how you know when we judge by appearances it's always wrong and so the people want to know what's going on i mean and so they say in verse 26 have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ. This would have been a statement that would, have, that would have driven them out of their mind. Because, regrettably, they had not believed in him as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Savior, as they should have. They rejected Jesus as the Savior, but they were looking for a way to arrest him, looking for a way to kill him. And so Jesus was avoiding the situation because it wasn't his time. It says in verse one to, uh, you know, in verse one, it said that, you know, he avoided the area because they were trying to kill him. And Jesus would ultimately turn himself over by choice. But that wasn't the time for this. And yet he goes up and we're going to see something overwhelming related to this. He goes up into the temple courts. He's speaking boldly. He's speaking clearly, profoundly and the, and, the, and the crowd says, they must have concluded that he is the Christ because they're not doing anything about it. They're not arresting him. He is preaching boldly and no one's doing anything. So, verse 27 says, you know, so they say, have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? And they're making that, you know, they're, they're, that assumption because no one's doing anything to him. He's boldly preaching publicly. And it's interesting that Jesus, knowing, full well knowing, that they're trying to kill him and that they want to arrest him, still goes up and goes to the most high-profile place to speak the word of God. Apparently, he's not afraid. Apparently, he's not scared. He knows that there is a, uh, a bounty on his head, so to speak. But yet, he boldly and courageously goes to the most public place possible and begins to boldly preach the word of God. Boldly preach the truth of the scriptures. He rebukes the leaders. Now remember, they view him as a a carpenter who's become a, a, a preacher and a teacher it's interesting they cannot in any way condemn his words they can't condemn his preaching so you remember in the last teaching they they condemn his credentials or his lack of credentials and we talked about how that's that's a problem even today it's the teaching that comes from a minister that matters it's it's really all that matters Credentials ought to help a minister. They're good things. They're wonderful things. They ought to help a a minister, a pastor, a teacher, a preacher to preach and teach the word of God properly and clearly, but they're not essential. What's essential is the proper and clear teaching of the word of God. And if someone has credentials that help them do that, wonderful, wonderful. If someone does not have credentials but they're properly teaching the Word of God and preaching the Word of God, expositing the Word of God, then that's wonderful. but oftentimes we live in a world where 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 the Lord could have sent somebody to teach the Word of God to preach the Word of God, and that person you know is doing it with obvious clarity and power um and 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 making clear application to the word of God. And it's clear that the teaching is, it speaks for itself. And yet they'll want to know the exact credentials. And if they're not the credentials they like, they'll dismiss the person when it's not the credentials that matter. And certainly we all know this. Certainly this is, this is obvious, right? Um, and, and again, not in any way am I downplaying credentials. Credentials are a good thing, right? But they're not, you know, uh, they're not the most important thing. The most important thing is the teaching, is the preaching. And it's this case in anything, right? If somebody is the best accountant in the world, but yet they don't have certain credentials, that's not going to bother me. The fact is that they can do the work, Right? And and certainly we all know this. So we see it here with Jesus. It's in. um, In verse 15. Jesus begins to teach. And you remember in verse 15, the Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? Because Jesus didn't go to any seminary. He didn't do these things. So. Verse 28, then then Jesus, still teaching in the temple, courts cried out, yes, you know me. Actually, let's back up to 27. Okay. But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. And so this is going to be a sticking point because they know, you know, that Jesus came from Galilee right? They believed he lived in Cana. And and the scripture said that, that the Christ or the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, right? Would be born in Bethlehem. And so when they say we know where this man is from, you know, we know where this guy's been preaching. We know where he's been around Galilee. They may have known that he lived in Nazareth for some time. And the scripture said that that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem, but it didn't say he'd lived there his, you know, his whole life. So when they say in verse 27, verse 26, have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ, but we know where this man is from. We know that, we just know where he lives. We know this is Jesus. So how can he be the Christ? Where he obviously was born in Bethlehem, and you know, then he was, he was taken from Bethlehem to Nazareth, if you recall. So, when the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. And this is incorrect, okay? They had this idea, there was this idea in the culture that when the Christ would just appear on the scene, that he would just, you know, blink in out of nowhere, and he would just reveal himself, where Jesus, obviously, uh, they knew where he was, you know, they knew his parents, they knew his mother, they knew his brothers, um, uh, his father, Joseph, probably died, you know, before his public ministry. But uh, so that's why they're confused. They had this idea that the Christ would just appear. Verse 28. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me. And you know where I am from. So, oh, okay, you, you know me. Yes, you, you. they know him physically. They know the fact that. He lives in Galilee. They may even know he lives in Cana of Galilee. They may even know that he lived in Nazareth at one time. What they don't know is who he is really. They don't know that that they, they know the man aspect of Jesus. They know the physical places. Yes, you know me and you know where I'm from. They know the physical places he's from as far as Galilee and Cana, but they don't know the heaven that he came from. They know the man, they know aspects of the man Jesus, but they do not know who he is. They do not know that he is God. They do not know that he is the Messiah. They don't know that he actually, in practical fact, in fact, is from heaven. And that God himself came down in Jesus and became a human man for them. So he says, yes, you know me and you know where I'm from. Yeah, you know my name is Jesus, you know my uh, you know my my family, you know where we live, you know all that. But what they don't know is who he is spiritually. They don't know that he is he is God and that he is indeed from heaven. They just know the physical locations, right? He says I am not here on my own. So they know the physical things. I am not here on my own. But he who sent me is true. You do not know him. So he's talking about his father. So again, I always say this, we see the cooperation of the of the Trinity in the ministry of Jesus. We can see it, you know, all over the pages of the gospel and obviously in all the epistles and, you know, all the books of the New Testament. Um, he's speaking, you know, in... Uh, in verse in verse 39 it says up to that time the spirit had not been given verse 39 by this time by this he meant the spirit and he's talking about the holy spirit here jesus said i'm not here on my own but he who sent me is true and he's talking about the father so again we see this consistent cooperation of the triune god god the father god the son and god the holy spirit in the life of christ and in the work of redemption you know me and you know where I'm from. I'm not here on my own. Again, he's saying, I'm, I'm, not, this is, I'm not trying to, to do anything for myself. He who sent me is true. He's saying, the heavenly father is the one who sent me. And what he sent me to say and do is true. And he is true in the way he sent me. So what he's saying is that, again, to not believe in Jesus is to not believe in the father. He who sent me is true. So if you believe the Father, you'll believe Jesus. If you believe Jesus, you believe the Father. You do not know him. Verse 28. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. So you see the boldness. They know what he's saying. He is making himself of of the same essence of God. The Father. He's putting himself on the same, same plane of God the Father. And they know this. They know he's basically making himself equal with God in the way he's speaking. And now, they, they, now they're going to snap. They can't bear it. Jesus is boldly teaching them the truth. They, they know that he's saying, you know, initially he says, yes, you know me. You know what? You know where I'm from right? It's like saying somebody knows somebody's from Los Angeles, California. You may know that, but you don't really know me. You don't know me as you need to know me. You don't know me as your only hope. You don't know me as your savior, your Messiah, your King. I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. They know they're saying he's claiming God, the father sent him. And it's true. Even though the religious leaders didn't want to believe in him, But I know him. So he says, you do not know him. So that's just a flat rebuke to the Jewish leaders, right? They're the religious leaders. They're the ones, everyone there, 200,000 people honor them. And Jesus just rebukes them and says, you do not know him. But I know him because I am from him. You see how strong this is, y'all? See how strong this is, Nathan? He's just, he's being so forceful. When you you look and you tell all the pastors, all the preachers, all the teachers, all the most educated people, all the people running the religious systems, and you boldly, publicly tell them, I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Can you see how that's just, do you see the force of that, mate? Do you see how he's just, uh, how do you do that? You know, you have 250,000 people that are there under the leadership of these leaders. And Jesus just told them, you don't know God. They've spent their whole lives giving their lives to God in their minds. And in, in their minds, this man comes in, stands in the temple and just blasts everybody. It's, it's, it's pretty strong. I mean, it's crazy, really, right? I mean, Jesus just, just laying it down. Golly, Jose. Look at verse 30. At this, they tried to seize him. So again, they're tilted now, right? Tilted, right? It just They snapped. That's it. Can't handle it. Right. And they just try to bull rush him. They try to seize him. They try to grab hold of him. But what does it say? Hold up. At this, they tried to seize him. But no one laid a hand on him. Because his time had not yet come. That's a verse right there. Hold up. At this, they tried to seize him. So, we've just talked about how, the things he said, how just, you know, uh, how just, you know, absolutely contrary to th- the things they believe. He's speaking the truth. He makes it clear. And he just utterly rebukes them publicly in, 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 in what would be for them a humiliating fashion. And they can't take it anymore. At this, they tried to seize him. They tried to grab hold of Jesus. What does this mean? But no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. What did that look like? What did John 730 look like, Uncle Dennis? This they tried to seize him. So what is it like? Just like, what was it like? 20 people went to rush at him and uh, was there like a barrier there? They went to grab, hold. I mean, was there like a shield on there? You know, we, 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 you know, there's a game called League of Legends and you can get a shield and pop stops can't get to you. It's, this is an amazing verse. So again, they all go up. They try to, they try to grab hold of them, but no one laid a hand them. There was some force that stopped them. Couldn't even touch them. <laughs> we don't even know how many people. Could have been 100, 200, 300. Could have been the whole 250,000. Here's the point. It wouldn't have mattered. Because Jesus said it wasn't the time for this. <clears throat> Jesus is God. You you might think you're going to go up and seize Jesus. You know, there was this, there was this funny idea, right? This ridiculous idea that... Uh, that the Romans killed Jesus. No, Nobody killed Jesus. Nobody. I believe it's John 18. When Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I pick it up of my own accord. <laughs> yeah. You hear that? Words of Jesus. No one takes my life. Apparently no one lays a hand on him either. So, That that would have been interesting. Did did he just make everybody change their mind when they were trying to seize him? Did he put his shield up there? Or did people come and and all of a sudden get scared and say, you know what? No. Uh, There's no seizing of Jesus unless he lets you do it. This is God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. He created the universe. Then he created this planet called Earth that we live on. Then he created humanity to live in the Earth for which you and I all came. Then we went so bad because we're so sinful, so broken, just, we're we're just so selfish. That after he does all that, then he comes into the very world that he created to live a perfect life and die a perfect death for the people that he created, me and you. Because we we went so bad, he, 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 he redeems us by living a perfect life, dying a terrible, torturous death, then is raised from the dead to complete the work of redemption. Nobody's going to lay a hand on him when it's not his time. It's Jesus that dictates the time of everything. You got to look, this is big At this, they tried to seize him. No one laid a hand on him. Couldn't even get your hand on him. So, we're not told how that happened. Again, we're not told that they just changed their mind. The guards are going to change their mind here later in this chapter. They're going to listen to his teaching. The Jewish leaders are going to go to him and to arrest him because that's what their bosses told him to do. And he just looks at him and talks to him and they're like, okay, can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Where's where, where that? It's like verse 35, right? <laughs> um. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why did you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. (laughs) Yeah, there is no seasoned Jesus before his time. So get it right, okay? Um, No one killed Jesus. Jesus submitted himself out 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 of an amazing love for you and for me. Golly. Lord Jesus, we just worship you and thank you and praise you for your goodness and your favor and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord, because this time had not yet come, so He doesn't let it happen. There's a time where He will allow Himself to be taken by them. This isn't it, but there is a time, and uh, so it doesn't happen because. It wasn't time for them to take hold of him and to kill him. He would submit to that by choice a little bit down the road, maybe a year and a half down the road. Verse 31, still many in the crowd put their faith in him. This is a beautiful verse. Many in the crowd. Still many in the crowd trusted him as their savior. When he spoke and they heard his words, they relied on him as their savior. And look at their reasoning. Their reasoning is just so sound. I mean, their reasoning is reasonable and logical. The leaders didn't. The bigwigs didn't. The top, you know, Pharisees, Sadducees, pastors, teachers, elders, they didn't. A few did. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes... Will he do more miraculous signs than this man? Look at look at how uh look how profound that statement is. We believe this is the Christ who has ever ever done anything more miraculous than Jesus. Ever. Jesus Christ is historical. No one ever in all history ever has done anything like what Jesus has done. So again, they knew that the Bible said that the Christ was to come, the Messiah was to come. The the, the Old Testament scripture said that a savior would come, a Messiah would come. They said, when the Christ comes, Stephen, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? You can't do more miraculous signs. The man just healed a paralytic. 38 years paralyzed, looked at him, said, pick up your mat and walk. We've talked about the miracles as we go through here. No, they won't. Jesus has done more miraculous signs than than, than everyone in history combined. Yeah. He's doing miraculous things today in the hearts of people all around the world. He's doing miraculous things everywhere. And when Jesus Christ walked the earth, I mean, everything he did. Just is, 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 it was, was, was just, again, was overwhelming. And then he did, did overwhelming miraculous signs like they've seen him do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't know how there are still a great many people regrettably looking for the Messiah to come, which unfortunately is a slap in the face to Jesus because the Messiah has come. And his name is Jesus. And he, and, he's, and, he, and he came from the Jews. He is Jewish. Jesus was, in his humanity, Jewish. And he gave his life for the forgiveness of the sins of all people. Jews first, and then non-Jews, Gentiles. Everyone in the world needs Jesus. He is the Christ. I don't know why anyone would ever be waiting or desiring or looking for another Messiah, another Savior, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than these? When you go through the Gospels and look through the, 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 the things that Jesus did, physical, physical miracles, the things he did spiritually, the miraculous things he did spiritually, what he's done in the hearts of, 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 of billions of believers. No, he won't because Jesus is the Messiah. Mm. 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. So again, no one laid a hand on him. They couldn't. And so now the the, the bosses send the, the temple guards to arrest him. Verse 33, Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me, okay? So, he is explaining to them that the time is shortly coming for his crucifixion, and then he's gonna return to the Father and to his rightful place in heaven. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, You cannot come. And and he's speaking very clearly here. They don't understand this because you can see in verse 35, the Jews said to one another, where did this man intend to go that we cannot find him? They're thinking about the physical, right? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And we're going to end here. But, so yeah, we'll, we'll finish at verse 36 for today. Um, and we'll start verse 37 next time. But when Jesus said, so the temple guards are, are heading to arrest him. They, they they can hear Jesus. Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time. So he's, he's explaining to them that you're not going to have this opportunity to hear me. He's not going to go somewhere else as they think. They think he's talking about, you know, going to live You know, will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? So they don't realize that he's talking about the time for his crucifixion is, is shortly coming. Could be one to two years, but he is going to be crucified shortly. Remember, the entire ministry of Jesus was only three and a half years. He began his ministry at around 30 and at 33 and a half, he was crucified, raised from the dead. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. So again, very clear. He had just said, you know, it's his father who sent him. And he's talking about the fact that that they're not going to have him physically to hear him or in their presence for much longer. You will look for me. After his death, death and resurrection, people would keep looking for him. But you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And so, you know, they obviously can't choose to go to heaven. They can only go to heaven through him and through receiving him. And so, as we always ask, have you received Jesus as your, as your only Lord and Savior? Are you trusting in him today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Are you clinging to Jesus Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us. But, but have you been convicted of your sin? Have you, do you, have you, do you have you believe the Bible in Romans 3, 23, when it said that all humans are sinful and fall short of God's holy standard? And that without Jesus, you cannot go to heaven and the only other place is eternal hell. In John 14, 6, when we get to that in this book, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way for us to have our sins forgiven except to trust and rely on Jesus Christ. There's no other way for us to have relationship with with our heavenly Father except to trust and rely On Jesus Christ and to receive him. Again, John 1, 12. To all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, you need to go to him. You need to humble yourself before him, knowing your desperate need of him. Knowing you're hopeless and helpless without him. And call out to him in faith and say, Lord Jesus, I I do believe you are the son of God. Jesus, I, I believe that I am a sinful person and I believe that I'm hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Jesus, I believe that you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And I ask you now, Jesus, I humbly ask you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Again, it's not the words, it's the condition of your heart. It's you knowing your desperate need of Jesus Christ and you' were running to him and humbling yourself before him and asking him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin, knowing He's your only hope, clinging to Jesus. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your grace and your favor. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord Jesus, our God for willingly becoming a human man for us, dying a perfect death for us, living a perfect life for us, and we thank you that you're alive and risen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Help us to live out these truths that we might know you better. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.